through the Holy One. So we want to begin by reading this uh, selection of scripture in 1 John chapter 2, beginning with uh, verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesseth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do ask for the blessing of your word upon our lives as it is imparted to us and ministered to us by the Spirit of God. I pray, Father, that you will work in and through our lives that which is necessary, that we may be built up in the most holy faith, that we may know the truth and abide in that truth, because we know him who is the righteousness of God, and that we have the righteousness of God in Christ. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a wonderful passage, and there is a quite a bit here, of course, that we can speak to. And um, to first mention to you the title, Our Charisma is from God. You know, we hear a lot about charisma, especially among television preachers. You know, people will, oh, they have great charisma, uh, and so forth. Um, and sometimes they're quite flamboyant. Sometimes they're quite um, um, show-off in a way. And uh, they stand out a great deal and, of course, make themselves heard. But the word charisma here applies to every one of you. Because it is the Greek word for anointing. And each of you have been anointed by God, by God the Holy Spirit. Now see, that puts a little bit different slant on the word, doesn't it? It helps us to realize that sometimes the world borrows words 
and makes them into what they want them to be. But in reality, this word is talking about God the Holy Spirit and his work in you and how that he has anointed you with the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. And so it is that this anointing, this charisma is of God. Uh, Not necessarily the one you see on television or that some people put on as a persona. No, this is the one which is biblical. This is that Holy Spirit that resides in each of you because you have called upon the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is that one which is a witness of God to your heart. When you read the scripture, when you open your Bible and you read the verses of the Bible, the passage which you have chosen for the, this day or tomorrow or next week, and God speaks to you, this is what is at work. The charisma of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the anointing which God has given to you, that is what is at work in your heart. And what teaches you the truth, you see. Um, We all want to know the truth. And um, as the scripture says, the truth shall set you free. Well, we know that uh, it begins with Jesus. Jesus is the way the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by the Lord Jesus Christ. Just a word of introduction here. Uh, The spirit of Antichrist rules in the world by principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness, in this world. Now we we read that passage last week uh, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. And I, I noted to you that it says that the principalities rule in this world by individual people. You know, that those principalities and powers, those, those uh, spirit of Antichrist, which rules, rules in governments many times by the very people who are at the head of those governments. But this is the contrasting view we want to show today. The Spirit of God rules in our hearts and is the holy unction, the charisma of God. Yes, the Spirit of principalities and powers rules in the world, but the Holy Spirit rules in your heart. You see, now here is the contrast that John ultimately brings out. Uh, In the preceding passage, um, he says, Little children, it is the last time, and ye have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, by which we know that it is the last time. And now we find that even as the spirit of Antichrist rules in the world, The Spirit of God rules in you. You see, we are not to be of the world, are we? We are to be of God. And so this passage that we are going into really points out the contrasting view. It is that view that belongs to us as being believers. 
that we are to be under the rule of the Lord Jesus Christ, under the rule of the Spirit of God, that one who, is, who has anointed us, that one whereby we receive the charisma of God, the true anointing of God. And so we recognize that God is at work. Even as our Savior was given the kind of anointing upon his human body. Now Jesus was anointed by God. Remember, remember Jesus came into the world. He was born into the world. And so was made human flesh. It was, it was the incarnate of God. Yes, he is the incarnate of God. But nonetheless, God anointed him in his human body, in, in his human life. Um, the doctrine of the humanity of God and the divinity of God is one that all Orthodox believers refer to. We have, he came in human flesh as the incarnation, but yet he is deity at the same time. He is God. And so um, we realize that Jesus was anointed. In Acts chapter 10... Verses 35 to 38, it says this, The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, after the baptism which John preached, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. But, by the way, the word anointing there is dynamis, which is different than the word which is used here. Because Jesus was anointed by God with miraculous powers. We are anointed by God because God the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. But Jesus was anointed with miraculous powers. He was, he was given those uh, powers if you will, that anointing because God had set him apart to do a specific work for him that would, would uh, truly show uh, the salvation and eternal life to the world. And of course, um, John even refers to that um, in verse 25 of the passage we're looking at. And this is the promise that he had promised us even eternal life. How wonderfully the scriptures are woven together. Uh, we find they form a beautiful tapestry of salvation and of redemption. And I would say perhaps this is the one greatest benefit of studying the scriptures and allowing the Spirit of God to teach it to you that you will see the great tapestry of redemption, the great scarlet thread of redemption running throughout the very word of God. And it will be taught to you individually. And God will, will give you that word as you read the scriptures for yourself. He will impart it to you. And uh, otherwise we would call that discernment being discerning of the scriptures and how important that discernment is to every believer because um, as someone has well said 
um, from the moment a person becomes a Christian, uh, is born again, they're given all these tools, if we might call them that, of redemption. And, you know, like a little child, of course, they're born as a baby, but they have to grow up into being adults and mature individuals. But even that little baby is given all of the tools, as it were, to later mature and to think and to act and to do the things that little children do to grow up into being adults. Well, as believers, we begin as babes in Christ, but we are given all that we need that we are able to mature in Christian faith. And God wants to work that out in each of us. First of all, let's be number one here. We have been anointed by the Holy One. Looking at verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. Now, before you think you're omniscient, only God is omniscient. That's an attribute of God. So this verse isn't saying that you are omniscient. But it is saying that God, through his Holy Spirit, is able to minister to you and teach you all things. All things that he desires for you to know for your Christian walk of faith. And that is a great comfort when we stop and think about the uh, relationship that we have with God. That God wants us to uh, be fully uh, mature in our Christian walk and faith. And so this unction, if you will, this empowering which God has given to us, this charisma, anointing, it is that uh, which is uh, able to uh, go with us throughout our Christian lives and that we are able to grow up in the things of Christ. And each of us, of course, have perhaps been a number of years in our Christian growth already. Um, and if the Lord willing, uh, you'll be a number of years more growing in your Christian faith. And as you do grow in your Christian faith, just keep in mind that God has, is doing this work in you. He is accomplishing this, this, His purposes through your life and means that uh, truly God would accomplish that to his own praise and his glory. And of course, when we talk about the Holy One of God here, uh, we realize that God not only refers to the Holy Spirit, but to Jesus in the same way. For we realize that... Uh, the Holy Spirit is at work in us, but then Christ is at work in you. And uh, can we separate the Godhead? Not really. Uh, there's a triunity of the Godhead, or we call it a trinity. But um, when we speak of God the Father, when we speak of God the Son, when we speak of God the Holy Spirit, we speak of that triunity of the Godhead. And so... God, the Holy Spirit, is at work. Uh, Christ came in the fullness of time, born of a virgin, uh, that he fulfilled the very plan and purposes of God in redemption and died upon the cross and shed his precious blood for us. 
And we realize that he told his own disciples, he says, um, if I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. But he did tell them that he would leave them a comforter. And the comforter is the Holy Spirit. And so when you read John chapter 14 through 16, especially uh, you will find the mentioning of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and how that he is our parakletos, the one who comes along beside us and ministers to us, the one who teaches us uh, the truth of God's word. And that Comforter, of course, was uh, uh, more physically given upon the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon them and every man or every individual heard the gospel in their own tongue, in their own language, and uh, some 3,000 souls were saved. And uh, so did the work begin of the early New Testament church at that time, uh, as the Holy Spirit uh, came upon these believers. And as John chapter 3 indicates to us that If we are born again of God, then we are born again of the Spirit of God. We are born from above. And so this work of the Spirit of the Holy One, uh, Christ himself, then of the Holy Spirit, the work of God is uh, still at work today in the church and still at work in your own individual lives. And so this is a great, uh, a, a great truth for us to, to realize. Um, looking at verse 21, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because ye know it. So um, John writes uh, to encourage the believers. Um, and uh, in this uh, in this way, we find that the scriptures uh, are made uh, real unto believers, even as the Spirit of God reveals it to us. And so in John two thirteen, he says, I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him, that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. God reveals to everyone... Uh, those things needed, whether they be those who are older or those who are younger or those who are new in the faith as uh, little children, as new converts to the faith. God reveals all these things to them. And, um, and of course, uh, what he has to say is of the truth and is no lie. And so we see that in verse 21. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. A lie is not the truth. And, the, and no lie is of the truth. You know, um, remembering that the early church uh, did have false prophets and false teachers among them. Uh, some of them called Gnostics, but they might have also been others from various Aryan beliefs and, and uh even some Jewish proselytes who were trying to steal away the Christians back into Judaism. Um, There were those who taught other than what the apostles were teaching concerning Christ. Some not believing in the incarnation, 
some not believing that Jesus was eternal, that he was but a man, and uh, that the Spirit came upon him only, and that he did things because the Spirit came upon him, but he was really just only a man, and he was not God at all. Uh, some of these beliefs you know, were circling around at the, in the early church. Um, and uh, so what were the Christians to believe? Were they to believe these false teachers, or were they to believe uh, the truth that John and the Apostle Paul and Peter and others were teaching? Um, what were they to believe, you see? And so it was necessary to impress upon the believers that the Holy Spirit of God is the final teacher, is that one who rests and comforts and gives hope to as well as teaches the believers. And so we need to make sure that we are listening to the right spirit and try the spirits to see if they be of God or not. And so we find that um, it is important to embrace this grand central truth, if you will, that Jesus is the Christ, he is the true anointed of God, he is the, he is the one who is the incarnate of God, and he is, of course, not anti-Christ, he is true Christ. And uh, anyone who teaches other than the truth about Christ, of course, deny that Jesus is the Christ. And that's what he goes on to say here in verse 22, who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. You see, that is a liar. He is antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Now, it may be that you'll hear some teaching you're a little bit confused about. But when you come to the basic teachings of Jesus Christ, some of those teachings we cannot be confused about. We must, we must uh, embrace and fully understand what the scripture is saying about Jesus, that he is the true Christ of God. He is the true anointed of God. He is the incarnate of God. He is the only Savior revealed unto mankind. And so um, there is no other God. I mean, there are gods and lords all over the world. Small G-O-D, small L-O-D, L-O-I-D, but they're only um, subservient to principalities and powers, rulers of darkness in this world. But they are not anointed of God. There's only one, and that is Jesus Christ. Now, the world will, will say that this is, this is not right. They will condemn you for it. They will say you are bigoted. They will say you are narrow-minded. They will lay all kinds of claims against you, which, which will uh, make you feel rather sad to hear people say that of you. But uh, you are to remember that God's word is the final truth. Revelation is that truth which is given to man otherwise not known and only given by God. You know, we must recognize true revelation as given by God. That man would, other, would otherwise not know, save God give it. That's the only revelation that counts. And that is in the inspired word of God. And so, who is a liar but, that, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father 
and the Son. Now remember when he says he is Antichrist here, he isn't talking about the Antichrist. He is talking about those who would teach other than Christ and those who teach against Christ. Now there will be, of course, the Antichrist in the singular. There will be a the Antichrist, and we recognize that. And, and even John recognized that in verse 18, little children, it is the last time, and as ye have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Now there, he speaks of it in the singular fashion, and probably of that one who would come, which we know is uh, the son of perdition. But currently in the world, there are many Antichrists. And, uh, and he that teaches that Jesus is not the true Christ is Antichrist. And uh, so we, we uh, need to remember that. You see, that is part of the discerning truth of the scriptures, isn't it? That the Holy Spirit confirms upon our hearts. And one that you should always uh, listen to. In verse 23, Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesseth the Son hath the Father also. So, number two here, we receive the witness of the Word of God because we know the truth. And, of course, the witness of the Word of God is that which comes through the inspired Scriptures. So, we receive the witness of the Word of God because we know the truth. uh, And we've already said that to know the truth is to know Christ. And to know Christ is to receive the true charisma of God, the true anointing of God, the the Holy Spirit of God, that Holy One. And that is how we know the truth. And uh, so look look at what he says in verse 23. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. He that confesseth the Son hath the Father also. So here it is. He that confesseth the Son... He that knows the Son, that believes that the Jesus Christ is the true anointed of God, anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is the incarnate of God, anyone who believes that Jesus Christ is God, anyone who has confessed that uh, realizes that they have received the Spirit of God, and so the Comforter has come into your life, And if that be the case, then you not only know the Son, but because you know the Son, you know the Father also. You see how the scriptures are so wonderfully woven together. Wonderfully woven together. And and so this great truth, this great witness of the word of God is because we know the truth. We know that Jesus is the Christ. We know that he is the incarnate. We know that he is the Son of God. We know that he is God. We know that he came to redeem us of our sins. We know that he died for our sins upon the cross. We believe that when we trusted in him, we received the Holy Spirit. We know also that the Comforter has come into our life. We have received the truth of the Word of God, the very witness of the Word of God, and we know the truth. And so these things are so important for us to confirm 
upon our lives. Verse 24, let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall continue in the Son and in the Father. You see, it is imperative that we can sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine, oh what a foretaste of glory divine, because we know him as our Savior. It's imperative that we subscribe to these wonderful doctrinal truths of the Word of God because they are that which confirm us as being believers and that we believe the truth and that we are abiding in the truth. The word abide here simply means to remain and it is for you and I to remain in the truth. To abide in the truth. So to abide in the Son is also to abide in the Father. We cannot know the Father save we know the Son. And this truth is as, as uh, foundational as it is in our faith. We dare not take it too um, lightly. Because the implication is that some might fall away. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you. It's kind of a conditional cause there, isn't it? If that. Ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. So, the Scriptures adequately bring in conditional statements that we might not take for granted the very things that we read. Because God has called us to believe and to trust in Him and to walk by faith. For the last one here, the anointing you have received is that which teaches you the truth. In verses 26 to 29, reading on to verse 25, And this is that promise that he had promised us, eternal life. And of course you might want to just kind of note those, that word promise is used twice in the same verse. And uh, the promises of God are very important, are they not? That's what we build our our blessed assurance upon and our eternal security. And so that is good. In verse 26, These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Now, of course, the idea of this seduction, this beguiling, if you will, is that these who would be uh, teaching other things than the truth about, about Christ they are in a very real way subtly seducing people unto their belief system. Now, this kind of thing, of course, is going on constantly. And we see it going on all around the world. One of the greatest seductions that is going on right now is that the Eastern beliefs are seducing the West. 
Americas, those who have been traditionally Christians and, and historically begun through Christian teaching and foundations uh, are now being seduced by Eastern mysticism. You know, Pastor Bo mentioned uh, this little Buddhist statue and there was a hamburger underneath of the statue. Well, you know why they do that. It's an offering of oblation. In, in, in uh, India, they carry fruit and various kinds of foods to the idols and they leave them in front of the idol. It's worship. Why would somebody leave a hamburger in front of a Buddhist statue? See, it's, it's, it's something that's just crazy to our thinking. But if anybody is of an Eastern mystical mindset, it's not crazy at all. And that is what is going on. Um, of course, the Buddhist statues, you see them in, in the background on many advertisements today. But the one that is most prominent is yoga. Yoga symbols and yoga identification is just about everywhere on practically every kind of advertisement you can think of. And, of course, we know that that is to replace Christianity in the thinking of people. They have uh, their meditation rooms and corporate offices. And... Of course, they promote yoga as a form of exercise, but it's actually not exercise at all. It's a form of Eastern discipline. It's a mental and spiritual discipline. It has, has very little to do with exercise when they're sitting in their lotus position. They're not exactly exercising too many muscles. <laughs> and they're not running the four-minute mile, that's for sure. But um, it is being promoted everywhere today. And so these false isms and uh, religions are antichrist. Uh, and we find that this, this sort of thing is, uh, is being promoted. And we should, as Christians, note it. We should be aware of it. We should, we should scrutinize it. Use your discernment. Do not just take for granted what people in advertising are saying to you or, or promoting to you as, a, as innocent. Because it is not innocent at all. And so in verse um, 27, But the anointing which ye have received of him, note that it is in contrast to previous to the seductions that are going on in verse 26. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Now we ought to say right here that truth does not belong to you. It's not your truth. It's God's truth that we are talking about here. God the Holy Spirit is impressing upon you the truth of His Son, that He is the incarnate. 
God the Holy Spirit is impressing upon you that the word that God has given to you is the divine revelation of God. God is impressing upon you that the truth that God has given to you is the great sieve of redemption that you are to, to sift everything through to make sure that you are staying and abiding in the Son and in the Father. But it isn't, it isn't your truth. It isn't any truth that you come up with. It isn't any truth that I come up with. It's the only truth is the truth that God has given to us in his word. That's the only truth that matters. And we need to remember to always go back to the truth of the word of God. And abide in that truth. Because there is a great seducing of the truth. A twisting of the truth. A transformation, a morphing of it. And God wants us to remain in the truth of the word of God. The true witness of the word of God. In Christ. And by the Holy Spirit of God. Through the revealed revelation. And now little children. He says. And now little children. Abide in him. That when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And so here, again, another wonderful contrast. We've left the, the Antichrist and we've come back full circle to the Christ. And we've come to the second coming of Christ. Here is, here is the thing. Here is the thing right here. That Christ is coming again. That Christ will bring to fruition the very promises of eternal life which he has made to us. And so he encourages them to abide in him. That when Jesus shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. Finish well is what we are asked to do. Paul seemed to put it another way saying to run the course I have finished my course we need to finish well no matter what comes down the road we, we must not divert to any other path any other truth this is the only truth that matters for us as being believers that we might have confidence in him at his coming. You know, sometimes people say, oh, they've been saying that for a long time. Jesus is going to come. Jesus is going to come. I don't know. They've been just saying that for... Somebody like that doesn't have much confidence, do they? That Jesus is going to come. (laughs) They just, you know, they're just casting doubt upon every word. Now, we are to have confidence in Jesus. Not only coming, but when he comes. The fullest confidence in our Lord and redemption. In verse 29, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So it's kind of like the final test. We know that Jesus is righteous, and so anyone who will be known as the righteousness of God must be in Christ at his coming. 
Of course, we have no righteousness of our own. And we cannot even muster it up at all. Can't, can't work it up. There's nothing we can do to make it better than what it is in Jesus. The only righteousness we have is in Christ. Now see, that's our confidence. Keep that truth. Keep that confidence. Keep that discerning. Keep that abiding. Keep that which is of the Holy Spirit and of the Comforter of God. Keep that in your life. Know the truth because you are reading it in the very Scriptures and you are bringing it into your life through the Spirit of God. You see, that is what it's all about here. Your anointing, your charisma is of God. It's not of man, it's not of yourself. It's of God. God the Holy Spirit. And that's what we are to remember. And so we have a holy anointing of God. Our anointing is from God. Our charisma is from God. Shall we pray? Loving Father, we do thank you for your blessing and for your word and for that which we know and what you have taught us from the beginning. And we thank you and praise you, Father, even unto the coming of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.